The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences. If you are not an adult, please do not let your parents know you're listening to this, and don't repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please drink responsibly. Now that we have all that covered, let's start the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welder. You are listening to episode 290 of the podcast. Unless you're joining me live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. Today's Sunday, August 28th. And I got to tell you, it feels great saying these words again. It has been... 77 days, if you can believe it, since this podcast has been on the airwaves. Uh, had to put the show on a little bit of a hiatus. And I just want to start by giving a big thank you to everybody who has reached out and asked if everything is okay. It definitely is. I feel great. Um, I wasn't in the best headspace for a little while. I had a little bit of a health scare, family health scare, uh, that just kind of made me realize there are more important things in this life than talking about drinking and fighting. This podcast is a luxury and a privilege in my life and a fun hobby that I get to do. Uh, And I'm, I'm definitely grateful for it and I'm grateful for everybody who watches and listens and definitely to everyone who reached out. I saw all the messages. I saw all the comments, um, all, all the DMS. And, um, I appreciate every single one of you. Cheers to all of you. Uh, and it's good to be back. Um, I, I had to take a break from social media too, just because I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed with some things in my life. Um, it, it happens to everybody. And I'm the type of person that I thrive on positivity. And social media is a cesspool of toxic energy. And I just needed a little bit of a break from it. Um, so I, I hit all the apps on my phone. They're all still there, but uh, I have to actually search for them in order to open them. And I've been checking in on a few people, but for the most part, staying away. And I got to say it, it improved my, improved my headspace exponentially. Uh, And I will be back on social media just in smaller doses. It's a good thing to cut back on. Um, It's easy to get tied up in, uh, and drama and bad shit that's going on in the world. And um, we don't need any part of that. So 77 days since I've done a podcast. Uh, uh, one good sign, I remembered how to do it, like turn it on at least anyway. Um, I don't know if I still remember how to uh, do it effectively and be entertaining. But a lot has happened since uh, since the last show which is back in June, uh, the summer flew by, did a little bit of traveling, did some fun things, spending a lot of time with family. 
Um, that was that was the main reason um, for the for the departure from social media and from the podcast and everything like that. Did a lot of fun things. A lot happened in the MMA world. Before we get into any of that, I'll tell you guys what I'm sipping on here. And cheers to all of you, uh, glorious motherfuckers. Special pour today. A little bit of Stag Jr. Um, for those of you who are into whiskey, you know this is a bit of a unicorn in the bourbon world. Um, I have a, a few bottles of it that I'm hoarding, and I figured, you know, this is a special enough occasion to break a little bit of it out, pour a nice heavy pour. Uh, this comes out of Buffalo Trace. Um and long-time listeners know one of my favorite distilleries. Uh, they make, obviously, Buffalo Trace, Eagle Rare, Colonel Taylor, some of my favorite bourbons. Um, this Stag Jr. Uh, is a barrel-proof whiskey, so it's 131.1 proof. Uh, every year it comes out, it's a different proof, uh, but it's usually high. It's usually up in the high 120s or, or, or low 130s, somewhere around there, so... This one 131, but it drinks really smooth. It it uh it doesn't have the bite you would think that a whiskey that's over 65% alcohol would have. It's got a little bit of a burn to it, but it's smoothed out by some nice vanilla and caramel flavors, and it's got a little bit of cherry on the back end, which I really enjoy. Um something else I've been doing over this summer that I found to be delicious. I take I'll go to the grocery store, buy a bag of frozen cherries that are like pitted and destemmed and everything. And I'll throw a handful of them in a mason jar and soak them in bourbon, usually like an old forester or a Buffalo trace, throw that in the fridge overnight and just pour it over ice the next day. It's basically like an old fashioned without the sugar because all that syrup from the that natural sugar from the cherry seeps into the bourbon, brings out those natural cherry flavors that already exist in a lot of bourbons. Yeah, so that's pretty much what I've been up to. <laughs> How have you guys been? Please leave me some comments and let me know what everyone has been up to in the last few months. While I've been gone, we missed the six-year anniversary of the podcast. Uh, we started this thing, Jeff the Animal Wilson and myself, in 2016, it was uh, right around UFC 200, I think. Uh, for those who don't know, this show just started where Jeff would come over to my apartment and we would turn off the commentary on the fights and just have drinks and, and talk about what was going on. And I said, hey, we should start recording this. Um, never thinking that anyone would ever listen to it. So it still amazes me that there are people, not just people, but people all over the world uh, <laughs> who listen to this thing. It blows my mind and um, definitely grateful for that. Uh, Jeff the Animal Wilson, obviously not joining me today because he's a world traveler now. He's down in Aruba, then making his way to Peru. Um you know, he's an international man of mystery, so he's having a great time. If you want to send him any well wishes, uh, you can't reach him directly because Jeff also 
um, limited his existence on social media. But if you send me a message, I can make sure that he gets it for you. Um, of course, we all miss Jeff and, and we'll get him back on the airwaves as soon as we can. Uh, I just decided that today was the day to bring the show back for no reason in particular, maybe because there was no UFC, there was nothing going on. So, you know, why not bring it back? Uh, man, a lot of things happened uh, while I was gone. The big retirements in the MMA world, Rory McDonald, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, Luke Rockhold, Ioana Janjic, just legend after legend. Uh, it seems like, you know, every week we're, we get a new legend retiring. Um, so a big thank you to all of those fighters. You know, e each of them have been in some legendary fights and put on some incredible performances and entertained us throughout the years. Uh, they've, they've been the topics of a lot of stories on this show for better or for worse. Um, and yeah, it's great to see. It's great to see someone like Rory McDonald, who's able to retire at a younger age and doesn't have to do this. You know, I, I assume he's, he's done all right with his money and um, you know, just doesn't need to do this anymore. So he's able to hang it up. So congratulations to him and, and to everyone else who's, who's retired. I mean, Cowboy, Luke Rockhold and Joanna, all first ballot UFC hall of famers. I would think uh, they've all been champions except for Cowboy, but you know, Cowboy has to be the most loved fighter in the history of the UFC. That's never won a championship. Um, yeah, people just love that guy, and for good reason. He's always put on great fights. Um, he, he's taken fights on short notice that, you know, maybe he shouldn't have. And, and maybe if he didn't, it would have led him to, uh, you know, a possible championship run. But I think that's what people love about him. He's a risk taker. You know, he was, he was willing to bet on himself all the time and fight five, six times a year. I believe tied for the record of most UFC wins still. Uh, with Jim Miller, unless Jim Miller just passed him, but and then uh, you know Luke Rockhold retiring after that uh, wacky fight with Paulo Costa, where they were, I guess you know it was because of the elevation, but those two guys were just exhausted. Like Luke with his hands on his knees, and, and then he would stand up just to throw like a spinning back kick, and then at the end when he was just like shaking the blood into Paulo Costa's face. It reminded me of Fight Club when Brad Pitt is pinning the guy down and, and shooting the blood into his mouth. You don't know where I've been, Lou. Uh, <laughs> that's what I was thinking about uh, when Luke Rockhold was doing that at the end of the fight with Paulo Costa. Um, it, it was a fun fight. It was like weirdly entertaining, even though it was like so sloppy and it just looked like, it looked like two old guys like, in a bar fight outside the American Legion, you know, they're just putting their hands on their knees and like breathing heavy and sucking wind. Uh, it, it was wild, but you know, Luke Rockhold and a lot of people have said this. He's a guy who it, it's hard. It's hard to, to articulate it because you can't say he didn't live up to his potential. I mean, he was the champion, but, a lot of people thought when he beat Chris Weidman, like this is the guy, this is the, this is the guy who's going to go on this epic middleweight run. 
and um, I guess injuries and whatever else happened to him. He got upset by Michael Bisbing, lost the title, and and was never really the same after that. Um, a lot of people say his chin went. Other people say he just wasn't training hard. Whatever the case, um, you know, he was always an unbelievable talent. Like you could never deny that about Luke. I mean, he had he had good striking. I mean, he dropped his lead hand a lot, but you know, he had those those question mark kicks and those spin kicks and all stuff like that. And his top grappling was amazing. Um, yeah, I'd say he's a Hall of Famer. I don't see how you can make an argument that he's not. Um, it, you know, with the performances he's put on, don't forget he was a a champion in strike force as well before the strike force was acquired by the UFC. He was part of that, that crop of strike force fighters that came over to the UFC and just did so well, a lot better than the pride fighters who, uh, who came over to the UFC when pride was acquired. We thought all these guys were going to come over and be killers. And then they all, they all just flopped, you know, well, most of them anyway, Vanderlei Silva, Mirko Krokop, like, you thought these guys were going to come over and be the killers they were over there, but you know, uh, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Let's not forget Joanna Janjacek throwing the gloves down. Um, man, what what a savage that lady is! She's just put on so many, so many spectacular performances, and you know from the moment she beat Carla Esparza for, for that strawweight title and became the second champion, she became the boogie woman. Like she was like the 115 pound Mike Tyson. Like people were afraid of her. Um, never realized that two division championship, but um, man, such incredible fights her fight with Wiley Zhang, you know, a lot of people say it was the greatest fight ever, you know, and if somebody believes that, it, uh, it, it'd be hard to argue against it. I mean, I could see it being a lot of people's favorite fights. Her face was busted up. She looked like an alien with those giant hematomas everywhere. What, what a tough competitor and such a skilled fighter. Many years of Muay Thai, um, you know, world champion in the UFC. Ioana Janjacek's in my Hall of Fame for whatever that means. Um yeah, so retirements. We missed an anniversary. Happy anniversary to us. Happy anniversary, Jeff, if you're listening. Um it's it's hard to believe we've been doing this for over six years now. I, I think early July was the six year anniversary. Um we've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of drinks, talked about a lot of great fights. <laughs> Um, yeah, the other thing that, that went on quite a bit, uh, and, and I've been watching all the fights, you know, I haven't been talking on Twitter about anything or, or Instagram or doing the podcast, obviously, but I have still been watching for the most part. Um, maybe not watching all the cards, like top to bottom, but at least all the main cards. And uh, something I found weird in the past few months is all the freak injuries in big fights. You know, we had Anthony Smith, um, Tom Aspinall, Brian Ortega. You know, the last two 
happening in the main events. Um, and it's just strange. It, it makes you wonder if we're reaching a point in this sport where these athletes at the highest level are training so hard that their body just can't take it anymore. And it's still a pretty young sport. If you think about it, it, it started, you know, officially in 1993, obviously there were things that were comparable before that, but we're still learning so much about how to mix all these different martial arts together, how to have a proper diet to be a professional fighter, how to do proper strength and conditioning. And, you know, a lot of people are just in the dark about it. You, you just kind of do what you think is right. You know, am I running enough miles? Am I lifting enough weights? Am I doing enough jujitsu? Am I doing enough wrestling? How's my boxing? I, I only did uh, one round of kickboxing sparring this week. It's, it's such a crazy balance. And I think, especially for these elite competitors, you know, like Anthony Smith, like Tom Aspinall, like Brian Ortega, I think it's easy for them to just overdo it and put their body through more than it can take. And then when the body's under stress, like in the main event of a UFC fight, it just doesn't hold up. You know, we started to see this. There was a big trend in in like the late 2000s when everybody in the NFL was tearing their ACL. And it got to be, you know, you had to start to consider, are these guys getting too big and too strong for their own bodies? You know, if a running back is 5'10", and he's, you know, 260 pounds of solid muscle, and he, he's, he's running a fucking four-second... 40 yard sprint or whatever these guys do like is your body really meant to handle all that and you know you might be able to put on as much muscle as you want but you can't really strengthen like the tendons and ligaments and everything that's holding your body together um and and you know diet plays a big part too you know there's still so much we don't know about that you could be eating food that's like making your bones brittle and like you know, one day you kick something and your shin bone just shatters. So wild stuff like this happened. Obviously with Ortega, it was a, you know, with Ortega it probably should have counted as a submission because he just, a, a guy of his caliber jujitsu should know that you can't pull your, you can't just yank your arm out of an arm bar like that. Um, and it was tight. It was a tight arm bar from Yair Rodriguez. I don't think anybody saw that coming especially Brian Ortega. He probably thought, you know, if it goes to the ground, it's a done deal. He can, you know, cash his bonus check. But apparently, uh, Yair has submissions off his back. Um, and, yeah, Ortega just, like, pulled his arm right out of the socket. I guess it was an existing injury. He had dislocated it a few times or whatever happened. And then Aspinall, it was the knee. But, you know, was it the fact that Curtis Blades checked the kick? We don't really know. None of us can feel, you know, what's inside Tom Aspinall's body. Um, none of us, you know, felt the kick except for Curtis Blades. So, 
it's hard to say. And then with Anthony Smith, like, it, you know, he's he, he's getting closer to 40, I'm pretty sure. He's up there. He's probably around my age, 37, 38. Um, you know, the, the body just can't take the, that kind of punishment like it used to. Um, maybe just may just be a case of that. But, yeah, so we had a bunch of retirements. We had a bunch of wild injuries. Uh, we, we've had some great fights. We've had some titles change hands. Uh, Amanda Nunez reclaimed her bantamweight title. She's still the featherweight champion, too, for some reason. That weight class exists, even though, you know, we haven't seen a fight in that weight class in, I don't know, a year? Can anybody tell me when the last uh, women's featherweight fight was? I have no idea. Was it Nunez against Cyborg? What was that, two years ago? How far are we going back? Is, is this still a division anymore? I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with this. The only, And the, the only fight that anybody wants to see at 145 pounds is Kayla Harrison uh, against Amanda Nunez or Kayla Harrison against Cyborg or Cyborg against Amanda Nunez in the rematch. And we can't get any of those fights because these three ladies are all in different divisions. But in any case, Amanda Nunez, don't don't piss her off, man. And, and history says that if an older fighter loses to a younger fighter and they rematch, the younger fighter is going to win only quicker. Uh, nobody told Amanda Nunez that's how it's supposed to go because she smashed Juliana Pena. Um, and recovered her title. I mean, they'll probably have to do a rubber match, you know, uh, since since Pena was able to finish Nunez in the in the first fight. But you know, Amanda showed like she's clearly the superior fighter, uh, skill for skill. Uh, we got a new welterweight champion as well, second uh, second British champ in UFC history, Leon Edwards, and. The, the shock of that fight was not that Leon won and not that he won by knockout, but one of the greatest comebacks ever, if not the greatest comeback ever, because here he comes out in the first round, wins the first round against Usman, takes Usman down, the first person technically to take Usman down, even though we all know Colby Covington took him down in the last fight. You know, Daniel Cormier even said that was two points for takedown. Uh, so Colby's taking him down, but for some reason, the people keeping the UFC books didn't agree and they didn't award Colby the, the takedown. So for all intents and purposes, Leon Edwards, the first man to take down Kamaru Usman. Fine. Let's give him the trophy. So he wins the first round. And then Usman comes out like a man on fire and fights a damn near perfect fight for the next three and a half rounds until he bites on a feint so hard with less than a minute to go in the fifth round. He had about 56 seconds before he was walking out of that building, still the champ. Um because let's face it, he dominated Leon Edwards after the first round. Uh, it was it was a near picture perfect performance. And Dean Thomas had even said, and he caught a lot of flack for it. He said that you know Leon basically gave up. 
and we all saw it. We saw his body language. We saw he wasn't looking his coach in the eyes. He looked defeated. He felt like, here we go again. I'm going to get held down in these championship rounds. And then his corner just lit a fire under his ass. And, I, you know, Leon just came back. I, mean, I don't know what else to say. And it, it, it was one of the most shocking moments. Like, from what I understand, people were leaving the arena thinking it was a done deal. You know, Usman's never been knocked out like this. And Leon looked like he already gave up. Uh, so I don't think anybody saw that coming. I would love to know what the live odds are were going into that fifth round. And if anybody put like even a dollar on Leon Edwards, uh, they're probably rolling in it right now, you know, just on the off chance. Like I know people who don't even know anything about MMA. They just bet. They just bet the odds. You know, they don't even look at, look into the fighters or anything like that. They just like, you know, they'll pick a parlay or whatever, however it works. I'm terrible at gambling. Don't ever take gambling advice from me. You will lose your money. Um, I I would even tell you, like, do the opposite of what I say, but then that'll be the rare instance that I'm actually right, and you'll still lose your money. So I always tell you, I don't make picks on this show, typically. I've done a few, but I don't want people parting with their money based on things that I say. I will give you ways that, that both fighters can win a fight. I will not tell you who to put your money on um, because – as much as I know about this sport, as long as I've been training and coaching and doing analysis and judging fights and all the knowledge I have, I cannot, for the life of me, pick a winner <laughs> in a fight and, and put money on them and, and win. It just, it just doesn't happen. It's not in the cards for me. Um, my mom happens to be very lucky in that regard. She goes to the casinos and plays the slots and just wins every single time. Um, which by the way, happens to be my mother's birthday in a few days. Happy birthday, mom. I love you. I don't know if you're listening, but you know, I can call you separately, I guess. I don't have to just wish you happy birthday here. Uh, in any case, yeah, just all the circumstances surrounding that fight. And, and the fact that Leon looked like he was done. He looked like he was ready to throw in the towel. He did not look like a guy who wanted to be there anymore. He, he looked like he was already beaten. Um, and, man, it was such a beautiful setup. You know, he threw the feint. Usman bit on it hard. He went to parry, dropped his hand, and just ate a head kick. It was, you know... It was a mistake. You know, he shouldn't have been, he, he had that, he had that fight in the bag. He, he was leaving with that belt at the end of the night, guaranteed. All he had to do was just hold Leon up against the cage a little more, maybe take him down one more time, land a few light punches just to stay active. Just so Herb Dean wouldn't stand it back up. That's all he had to do but he chose to box with him because that's the kind of competitor Kamaru Usman is. And I haven't heard him say this, but, you know, I'm pretty sure he would do it again just because he believes in himself that much, uh, even given this result. You know, if they rematch, I think he he still would probably 
you know, box with him just as much as he did in this fight. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I was not the biggest Leon Edwards fan. I have to say just because of the way he carried himself and, 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 you know, different things happening where with him like turning down fights along the way on his way to the title. But man, when he won that title and talked about how he was born with nothing in Jamaica and it, and look at me now and, and all this, um, it was really an amazing moment. And it's the kind of moment that we as fans need just to be reminded Anything can fucking happen in this sport. Kamaru Usman was going to win the fight. A lot of people probably turned it off and went to bed. Imagine you fell asleep during that fight and you wake up, you know, thinking Usman's winning and you see Leon Edwards getting interviewed and you're like, what the fuck happened? Like, how, how is this even possible? Um, but, you know, that's why we love this sport, because anything is possible. And, uh, you know, Leon Edwards proved that at, uh, what was this event? UFC 278. I don't even pay attention to the names of the events since, uh, since I haven't been doing this for a while. Um, <laughs> Mark fellows, welcome me back to the airwaves. Cheers, Mark. Good to hear from you, buddy. Uh, we got Colombia in the house. Yeah, Jesus in South America. Um, Jeff the Animal Wilson's on his way to South America shortly. Mark, thanks for the compliment on my hair. He says that I have my hair professionally curated for the occasion. It looks tremendous, really fantastic. That sounds like a compliment I would get from Donald Trump. <laughs> but I appreciate it. It looks tremendous, really fantastic. Bill Welker's always had great hair. It's terrific. Um, no, I just uh, I did just shower. I mean, that's it. This is how I, I woke up like this. Uh, let's see what else happened. Marab Devalishvili, uh with a big win over Jose Aldo. Um, Aldo, man, I don't know what he was thinking in this fight. Yeah, he was he was like really hard to take down. Always has been, but. Just no offense. Um, so, yeah, that was that. Marab just, you know, pushed him up against the fence and, and bullied him for three rounds. So good on him. He's got a win over a former champion. He's going to keep moving up, but, you know, doesn't want to fight his teammate who's the champ. So, I don't know. He's going to have to sit on the sidelines, maybe take a fight with the Corey Sanhagen, something like that. Um, Tyson Pedro, big comeback fight, one minute knockout over Harry Hunsucker. Um, uh, let's be honest. That's, that's why this fight was made. This was, this was, uh, <laughs> you know, they kind of served this one up to Tyson Pedro on a silver platter and, uh, he, he got the message. He knew what he had to get in there and do very impressive. Uh, Marcin Tabora, uh, majority decision over Alexander Romanov. Uh, Tabora is just like, I, I know I just said like, never take my betting advice, but I will say Tabora is a guy that you never want to bet against because 
this guy can take a beating and he just keeps coming. You know, it's unreal. Like you can't count this guy out. Um, and Romanov was undefeated. You know, he looked like a monster in that first fight, but then, you know, just blew his wad, ran out of gas. And uh, that's that. Let's see. Let's go back. Let's go back in time a little bit. Take a look at some other things we missed. We're going to, we're just going to cover like the last two months of fights because why not? It's Sunday. There's no MMA this weekend. You don't have anything better to do. Uh, <laughs> Jamal Hill with a big win over Tiago Santos. Another come from behind win. Um, and we got a lot of questions answered about Jamal Hill and his toughness. You know, can he come back from adversity? And we know he can come back from a bad loss. Like when he got his arm broken by Paul Craig, I was like, if this guy ever even fights again, I'll be impressed. And, he, you know, he's come back from that and just keeps winning and doesn't seem, doesn't seem phased by it at all. You know, if I got my arm snapped like that, I, I would, you know, probably never even do jujitsu again. Uh, and here's this guy like on his way to a title shot. Uh, Santos looked good though. He looked good in that fight. Let's see. What else did we have? We had, uh, oh, this card I didn't even have pulled up, but Cheeto Vera with the win over Dominic Cruz. That was a weird fight to watch. And I, I'm sure Jeff is uh, glad he's not here to talk about this one because Dominic Cruz is like his favorite fighter. But um, it was such a weird vibe in that fight because Dominic Cruz was was clearly winning in the beginning. You know, he was putting the pace on Cheeto Vera and was controlling the fight and was landing more. But you also had this feeling that he just was more likely to lose because he was controlling everything. But Cheeto Vera just has so much power. And, and you know, Dominic Cruz, you know, he, he's gotten touched up in his last few fights because he relies on speed and he's a lighter weight guy and speed is the first thing to go. And uh, Cheeto figured out his footwork, figured out his, uh, figured out his patterns and, you know, didn't throw the kick at his head. He threw the kick where his head was going. And, um, you know, it's pretty disastrous. And that Dominic Cruz has had an amazing career. Um, you, you know, he's been the champ. Uh, he's got a win over mighty mouse who is, as a lot of, you know, who just, Became the flyweight champ over and won once again with an impressive knockout. I think Dominic Cruz can still fight. I absolutely think he can fight and be competitive. But I don't think there's another championship in his future. Um, so, you know, maybe a super fight. At, at 145, perhaps, is in his future. Um, he, you know, I don't see him getting a title shot quickly, even if he moves up a weight class. But I think moving up is probably a good thing, 
especially since, you know, he's gotten his chin touched in his last few fights, couple knockouts. Um, you know, he has the win over Munoz, but he's got the knockout losses to Cejudo and to Cheeto Vera. Um, I think moving up in weight would be a great move for him. I think there's a lot of fun fights for him at 145. And I don't, I don't know. I think, I think if he does have one more title run in him, it would have to be at 45. You know, I know he cuts a lot of weight. I know he's had a couple of real bad weight cuts. So the move up would be good for him. You know, he'll be quicker than a lot of guys there. He's obviously still got the skills. He's still got the wrestling. He's still got the footwork, that snazzy footwork. And, um, yeah. I'm trying to think. There was... There was one fight in particular that happened during this hiatus that uh, that was super impressive. I'm trying to think what it was. Um, there's been a lot of great fights. Matt Schnell and Sue uh, Madarji. That was back in, uh, oh, God, a year and a half ago, July 16th, UFC on ABC3. But that fight was crazy. I love that fight. It was so back and forth. I think Matt Schnell was knocked out like eight times in that fight. Still came back uh, to submit uh, Suma Darji. Um, so that was an awesome one. Uh, Shane Burgos over Charles Jordan. That was a fun fight. And then Shane Burgos decided... Uh, you know, he was going to choose himself and, and take the, take the money and run and go over to the PFL. I think that was a big loss for the UFC losing that guy, but, um, you know, he's going to make some money over there. I, from what I understand, he's going to enter the tournament at 155 pounds also. So there's that. Let's see. What else did we have over these past few weeks? Whatever fun fights. Nikita Krylov just demolishing Alexander Gustafson. I don't know if Gustafson retired or not, but you know, I'm not saying he should either, but maybe he should. Yeah. Uh, Patty Pimblett, you know, that guy's been making some waves. A lot of people calling him the next Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor today. On his Instagram story, uh, showed himself having a, a good time with a young lady on a yacht. Um, if you choose to go and look at it, uh, don't do it with the kids around. I'll, I'll leave it at that. You guys can, can go check that out. That's been, you know, making the rounds on the internet because, of course, of course, there's thousands of people who screen recorded it. Uh, so they could save it. But yeah, Patty Pimblett looked good. Uh, it was a fun fight with Jordan Levitt. Uh, you know, Levitt gave him a hard time in the first round. Uh, he, he was able to come back and submit him. Uh, the Jack Hermanson, Chris Curtis fight was fun. That was a fun fight. It was a big step up in competition for Chris Curtis. Um, and, you know, he had, he had just fought like a few weeks prior as well. Uh, I'm a big fan of Chris Curtis, but 
maybe bit off a little bit more than he could chew uh, with Jack or Manson. And then what do you guys think about Curtis Blades? I mean, I know it was an injury win over Tom Aspinall, but like you can't expect him to wait for Aspinall to heal if he's got, you know, torn ligaments or whatever he's got in that knee. And what do you do with this guy? I mean, he's clearly one of the best heavyweights around. You got uh, Cyril Gan and Tai Tuivasa fighting next week. So, you know, maybe give him the winner of that. That would be fun because the the heavyweight division's kind of bottlenecked right now because it looks like Nganu is waiting out his contract, which ends in December. They're looking to do Nganu versus John Jones in December. And if they can't do that, they want to do John Jones versus Stipe. But either way, you're looking at this title being tied up till at least December. You know, maybe they maybe they re-sign Ngannou. Maybe they work out something with the contract when his contract expires. Maybe they let him go. But either way, nothing's going to happen with that title till December. So you got the whole heavyweight division on ice here. And, and this is a time where you've actually got exciting heavyweights. So what are we, what are we doing here? Like, what are we... We got to do like an interim title, something, because uh, you, you got all these killers in the heavyweight division. You got Curtis Blades, you got Tai Tuivasa, you got Cyril Gan, you got Stipe, who hasn't fought in who knows how long. You got apparently John Jones is a heavyweight now, although, you know, there's been no bout agreement in his future and he's kind of like in a weird limbo. But um, not a great time to be a heavyweight. And then you got Tom Aspinall, who's, you know, one of the best prospects in the sport uh, right now. So once he heals up, which, you know, will probably befo- be before this, uh, this heavyweight title gets uh, sorted out here because, you know, Francis kind of took his ball and went home and it m- might not even fight in the UFC if they can't work something out. And then you got um, just a big juggling act going on here and i'm just gonna pull up the uh i want to pull up that dominic cruz and cheeto vera fight card because i feel like there was a fight on there that was just really awesome and i don't know you guys been watching any fights this weekend there was bkfc last night i think john dodson made his debut looked good uh taylor starling in the main event got just starched and um, pretty much just, like, waved off the fight herself. Never seen anything like it. Um, it, it seemed like she got hurt real bad. Like, she might have broken an orbital or, or something. But, yeah, bare knuckle boxing has been fun. Oh, okay, here's the fight that I was thinking of. Nate Landwehr and David Onama. Holy shit. That fight was wild. It was wild. Nate Landwehr would take him down and just let him back up and start like waving at the crowd to get them hyped up. Uh, that that fight was nuts. I'd say, and I feel bad I couldn't remember their names, but that's on my short list for fight of the year already, I got to say. Nate Landwehr and David Onama. And then Nate Landwehr called out my boy Billy Q and – uh. You guys know Billy Q. He's not he's not backing down from a fight, so he's all for it. 
if we get to see those two in there together, that's going to be, that's going to be a fucking fun night for sure. Let's see. Azamat Mirzaganov, um, with the TKO over De- Devin Clark. That, that guy's a fucking beast also. And then Gerald Mearshart with his 400th submission win over Bruno Silva. That was nasty. Really knocked him out and just kind of snatched up the guillotine, like <laughs> choked out a guy that was knocked out. That was a badass move. Um, yeah, so many, so many fun fights that we haven't had the chance to talk about. I miss doing this with you guys. Um, but you know, like I said, other things just have to take priority and I I wasn't going to bring the show back until I was sure I could dedicate the time to it again, just because that's just how I am. If I'm going to do something, uh, I'm not just going to be half in. So I had to put it on pause for a little while, uh, get some things together in my personal life and and make sure everything was good with the family and just getting a good headspace really. And, and I did that and I'm there and you know, your, your mental health and the mental health of, of the people around you is, is the most important thing in your life. Um, whether it's something that you consciously think about or not. Um, it, it really, it really is. Um, and, and I hope everybody is is prioritizing that um, and, and putting the unnecessary things on hold when you have to um, because it really helps. And Mark says, let's be honest. You were waiting for Tuyavasa and Whitaker to make their return. I, I am definitely excited for that card. So let's go ahead and take a look at it, Mark. Let me see. I'm just... I'm just stumbling, stumbling through these controls, like trying to remember how to do all this. Let's see. Let me put my uh, put my fight card up here. Will this work? No, that didn't work. All right. And there we go. There we go. We're back in business, folks. I still remember how to do some of this shit. Um, I still remember how to drink whiskey. That's the important part. Uh, UFC Fight Night 209, Cyril Gan versus Tai Tuyavasa. This, uh, this, this is a fun fight. It's a fun heavyweight fight. Let's, um, I mean, let's be honest of what we're looking at here. Cyril Gan is is a more well-rounded fighter skill for skill. He's better everywhere, but, but, and this is a big, but tied to Yavasa is just a tough, gritty dude who has one shot knockout power. He can put down anybody in this division at any time. So, This is a tough one for Cyril Gaon, I gotta say. And I I do genuinely believe like his skills are better, but that just doesn't matter in this sport. It just doesn't. You know, it's just like what it's kind of like what we just saw with 
with Dominic Cruz and, and Cheeto Vera. It's like Dominic Cruz probably has better skills everywhere, but he just had to get touched once by Cheeto Vera. And it was like, we were just waiting for it the whole time. And, and that's what I think is going to happen here. Um, Cyril Gan definitely has the skills to outpoint Tiavasa, but can he stay away from that power for five rounds? I don't know. I mean, he can, but I wouldn't trade places with him. Even if I got to look like him, he looks like a fucking Greek statue. Um, yeah, no. And, and this card, I believe, is taking place in France, which that the hometown advantage in MMA is not an advantage. It's an advantage in baseball when you got like people cheering your name and like and like you know you can hit a game-winning home run or whatever. It helps there. It helps in MMA. Traditionally, it tends to hurt the fighters because you got like your family and friends like contacting you trying to get tickets and like everybody, you know, is going to show up. Um, you got a whole country behind you that wants to see a champion. It's like so much pressure. We see this every time Derek Lewis fights in Houston. It's like, dude, stop fighting in Houston. Go fight in fucking Abu Dhabi or like Bosnia, like anywhere, anywhere, but Houston. Um, so yeah, there's that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised whoever comes out with this one. I think it's either going to be a decision for Cyril Gan or it's going to be a knockout in any round from Tai Tuivasa. That's like from bell to bell, it's possible. It could happen in four minutes, 59 seconds of the fifth round. Um, and I, I truly believe that. The co-main event, Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori. This is a great fight. This is a great fight. And we're gonna see. We're gonna see if Robert Whitaker still has what it takes. Because Vittori's gonna bring it. He's gonna pressure him. Um, you know, he's in France, which is like his backyard, being an Italian boy. Um, he, you know, you know Vittori's gonna put that pressure on Whitaker. And typically when guys pressure Whitaker, that's when he fights best. He's had his worst fights with counter strikers like Israel Adesanya. Um, so I would tend to lean towards Whitaker in this one. If we've still got the championship caliber, Robert Whitaker, which I think we do. I think, I think he's still got some championship caliber fights in the tank. So I think that's what we're going to see. Um, but Vittori is a beast, man. Uh, and, and he's hungry. This guy wants it. Like he wants, he wants to get back to that title shot. Like he, he's one of the hungriest guys in the division and nobody can deny that. Um, let's see. Bounce around a little bit here. John McDessie and Nasrat Hakparast is a really fun fight. Um, but I'll tell you guys the fight. I'm looking forward to that. I don't hear a lot of people talking about Nasser Dean Imavov and Joaquin Buckley. Why Joaquin Buckley is on the prelims. I cannot understand. Let me just take a look at his record to see if there's something I'm missing here. Yeah. 
TKO win in his last fight, split decision win over Abdul Razak Al Hassan, which we saw a whole new level to his game in that fight. And then a, a nasty knockout of Antonio Arroyo before that. Um, he did have the head kick loss back in January 2021 to Alessio De Chirico, who's also fighting on this card. But I can anybody explain to me why Joaquin Buckley is on the prelims? I mean, the guy had the biggest highlight reel of 2021. Um, and, and he's got three impressive wins in a row. Uh, this makes zero sense to me. Uh, Charles Jordan and Nathaniel Wood is a really fun fight as well. This is a solid card. Solid card. Alessio DeCirico, like I mentioned, on this fight, middleweight fight against Roman uh, Kapilov. But very top-heavy. This card is very top-heavy. It's almost like you want to tune in for the Buckley-Imovov fight and then, you know, go smoke a brisket or something and come back for uh, Whitaker and Vittori. <laughs> I think I feel like a lot of people may be doing that. And since this is in France and maybe at an odd time of day, so, um, yeah, we'll see. But it's going to be a fun one for sure. For sure. Okay. Figured out how to turn that off. Listen, I, uh, I miss doing this so much. I miss talking to you guys. And, um, you know, ho hopefully uh, a lot of you are, are glad the show is back. You haven't just unsubscribed and turned off your notifications and everything like that. So make sure you got all that up and running. The sports world has been waiting for two things, folks. Let's be honest. Tom Brady to get back on the practice field and the MMA on the rocks podcast to be back on all your favorite podcast platforms, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, so I am definitely glad to be back. Um, I got a lot of exciting things in the works. Uh, a lot's changed over the past few months. I've been actually exploring some really exciting career change opportunities, potentially. Um, a lot of fun things been happening with the family. Um, my daughter's just like growing up in front of my eyes and she's, four going on 40 and just talking back to me every day. And it's fucking hilarious and spectacular and saddening and emotional at the same time. And, but um, a, a big thank you again to everybody who reached out. You know, I know a lot of people do the stepping away from social media as like a cry for attention. I can assure you that's not what it was in my case. I just, I just needed to get myself in a good headspace and, and being on social media just doesn't help with that because social media is, is the dumpster fire of mankind. Uh, but I'll be getting back in there. Uh, not, not as much as before, but you know, just enough to, to interact with all the cool people that, uh, that I've definitely been missing the past few months. Yeah. If you really been missing the show, uh, you can still grab yourself some merchandise through our friends at Team Reaper. Reaper1.co is the website. You can use the promo code MMARocks10. Save yourself 10% on your order, whether you buy my merchandise or not. Uh, but you can grab yourself an MMA on the Rocks t-shirt, 
hoodie or tank top. I still don't have one of those hoodies myself. I, I suppose I should get one of them, but it's still 100 degrees here in Florida, even though they're already selling like pumpkin beer and pumpkin cheesecake and all that shit in the grocery store. It's like you, you sweat from your car to the, to the entrance of the store, and then you get in the store, and it's like, what is all that? Why are they selling these cinnamon broomsticks and this pumpkin beer right now? Like, it's, it's 95 degrees in the store, and they got the air conditioning pumping. But in any case, you want to grab some MMA on the Rocks merch, go ahead and grab it. Or you can, you know, buy some merchandise from a local fighter and, and support some of them. Uh, either way, you know, you're putting some positive energy out there and that's what I appreciate about you folks. You're always uh, keeping it positive. That's why I came back to do this again. So, uh, <laughs> cheers to all of you. Cheers to Jeff, the animal Wilson, wherever he may be in the world. Uh, you, you know, I think he's in Aruba right now and then on his way to Peru. And then who knows after that, I think he's Iceland, Antarctica. He's going to go save the penguins or something. That's all I got. Love you guys until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>